Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning to you. This is about our fifth or sixth week. I'm losing track a little bit of where exactly we are in this lockdown. I do know we've been streaming for around, this is about our fifth Sunday, and we've been very fortunate to be on the radio to be able to reach a different audience of people who maybe aren't familiar with streaming or just find eight o'clock a better time. Certainly don't get too used to sleeping till 10 to 10, because we may just be back in a celebration sooner than you think. Well, that's what we're trusting and praying for. We agree with all the efforts that are taking place from our government and the governments of the world, trying to come up with a vaccine, trying to fight this thing. We just have to remind ourselves that our primary battle is not against flesh and blood and what's happening in the natural realm. We've got to remind ourselves that ours is a spiritual warfare where we have been equipped in the name of Jesus through prayer, to stand firm against the gates of hell. So I want to greet you this morning, and a part of my heart is just reaching out to so many people who feel trapped and locked down and discouraged by what's going on around them. People who can't see any future to their business, they can't see any future to their careers, young people who have been stranded midway through studies, trying to now take it on digital, trying to do the best they can in these circumstances and these unprecedented times. I'd like to just pray for you this morning. If you're just feeling a bit of a despondency, you woke up saying, man, is this really still going on? It feels like a nightmare that just has never come to an end. I hear other people getting on with work from home, those who have been fortunate enough to take their work online. But my business isn't that way designed. If I'm not hands-on, I can't get a salary. Where to for me? Where to for my children? I want to just assure you, first of all, that you're not alone in feeling that. In the book of Peter, he says, your brothers around the world are going through the same thing. And Christians around the world are feeling the same despondency and uh, anxiety. The difference is, is that when we get to the end of our rope, at least we know there's a knot and we can hang on and the grip on us is tighter than our grip on the rope. Now, Steve, those are just sound like vain words at this time. Well, let me assure you that our Lord Jesus himself said he would never leave or forsake us. Included right there in the Great Commission, in the purpose of the church, were the words of Jesus promising, I will never leave or forsake you. Let me pray. Lord, right now, I just want to bring so many families before you by way of this broadcast and others maybe not even tuned in. Lord, where the enemy is bringing despondency and anxiety We just want to pray for ours to be lifted. We want to just pray from our innermost being for a 
childlike confidence in our Father in heaven. I want to pray against that fear that's paralyzing some people to the point of wanting to bring depression into their life. You said you've given us authority to break down every weapon that's been formed against us, that we can lose peace and favor into the invisible realm, which will manifest into the physical realm, that you've given us keys to lock earthly anxiety and stress and release into our spirit a confidence that our God is never leaving or forsaking. So now, Lord, we do exactly that. I say to you, my friend, I say to you sitting there watching by way of, of this streaming this morning, or for those of you listening on the radio, may the peace of God be released and loosed into your life right now. Shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing, coming down upon you in a mighty baptism of the peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make sense, this peace. When we should feel we don't have anxiety, we should be anxious that we're not feeling anxiety. That is a lie from the pit of hell wanting to impose uh, depression into your life. And we take authority right now in Jesus' name. You are going to get through this in the name of Jesus. This is not just a pep talk. This is on the authority of God's word that he says he's going to take what the enemy meant for, for disaster, what the enemy meant for evil, and he is going to turn it for good into our lives. And we believe that and we say amen to that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, having said that, having prayed that, I just realized yesterday I said to Janet, I don't miss sport nearly as much as I thought I was going to. If you told me this time last year that all rugby, all the cricket tournaments coming up, all the even the Olympics uh, on the horizon was going to, to be uh, delayed, or cancelled, it, it would have been unbelievable for so many people. And yet, in the midst of this, I said to Jen, I said, I'm sure there are people who miss their sport, but I tell you what I'm missing. I'm missing just being down at the beachfront, eating a takeaway burger, watching the kids riding their bicycles up and down the beach. That's what I'm missing. I'm missing seeing your face on Sunday morning in the gathering of the saints. I'm missing that smell of cappuccino coming from the coffee bar and that sound of voices around the coffee bar area chatting away the, the ups and downs of their week. I miss walking outside uh, in the coffee bar area and just going and sitting and chatting to people and the, the, the worship, the corporate. You know, there's nothing that can replace that standing with a couple of dozen people, or hundred people, or whether it's thousands of people, with one voice worshiping how great is our God. Those are the things I'm really missing right now. Being able to get in our car and drive without having to be face masked and gas masked and handcuffed and hand gloved and and this certificate and this permit and man, it's like who could have prepared us for this? The answer is nothing could have prepared us. 
We just, by the grace of God, have to get up, get through this next day, trusting that our Lord knows what he's doing in our life and why he put us in this planet at this time. Amen. So I'm just aware that that many haven't even been out of their homes. Some are too scared to go to the shops. And we pray as these levels are, are lifted a bit, that that sense of, of lockdown wouldn't continue to rule in our hearts. Because you see, there's a difference between a bird that's free flying in the forest and a bird that's trapped in a cage. At one level, the cage brings security because there's no wild animals. But at another level, we were never meant for this environment. And we have to rely more and more on the grace of God. Amen. I want to encourage you from the word of God this morning. As I read a passage of scripture, we've been looking over the past few weeks at the words of the Lord Jesus, where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot stop it. I love that passage because it makes so much sense in this current situation. Because Jesus didn't say he could only build his church during good times. He's building his church all the time. And I tell you, there's a part of me that that, that believes right now in your home, in your family, he's at work. And we've looked at this. Jesus didn't choose the instrument of the temple, the Old Testament temple. He didn't use the structure of the temple to promote his church into all the earth. He used a word they were familiar with, ecclesia, called out those who represented the government of Rome, who can meet under a tree, you can meet in the garage, you can meet in a building at 10 Harvey Road. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And he's at work right now in ways you will be surprised when you look back. I've just got this deep down sense of expectation that the church is going to rise up and never be the same again. They say we must get used to the new normal. Well, I tell you, the new normal is going to be back to the ecclesia normal of God, where we're not reliant on a program on a Sunday to lift us, but where we assume the authorities as priests in our homes, with our community when the lockdown's lifted and we can gather with some of our friends in our living room and break bread together and tell some stories and laugh, and then have a time of of worship and prayer to God where he speaks to us through his spirit, and then find out what the needs are among us and how we can help each other practically if it's repairing a a broken tap or uh, finding out how to get a battery replaced, where communities start extending into our trusted friendships. That is the church that Jesus Christ has come to build. And he chose Ecclesia as the best suited agency to get that job done. You see, he wasn't against the temple. In fact, he came to fulfill all the aspects of the tabernacle and the temple, the holy of holies. Jesus said, I'm going to destroy all that and I'm going to rebuild it, my body. And his body, my friend, is his gift to the world. And today it's his church. Wherever that church meets, in every 
street, in every suburb, in every town, in every nation, the church carries the answer for the world. The community of God, the kingdom of God being demonstrated. And last week I shared, you, you may remember, I spoke about people who feel a bit disqualified at this prospect of rising up and being the, the leader in their home or, or her home. I spoke about the, the, the need to, to come against our disqual- disqualifications by changing the way we speak about it. I try to get practical because there's a lot of people out there I know saying, no, I can't do this, I've tried. And I hope that that message stayed with you a little bit this week amidst all the other noise and activity. That he has qualified you. He has blessed you in the heavenly places with all blessings in Christ Jesus. And I hope you begin to believe that and change the way we talk about ourselves and talk about our current situation. And sometimes, you know what? The old Nike slogan, just do it. Just do it. Sometimes it's the action of it that brings a change of thinking. And with the change of thinking comes a change of attitude. And with the attitude changed, it starts getting easier to do it. So, thank you, Nike. Just do it. Gather the family. So we're going to break bread today. When we have our lunch or our supper, we're going to take the bread, we're going to take the cup, and we are going to remember what Jesus did for us. You see, that's what the communion is all about. It's putting Jesus back at the center. Let's not get too distracted with how to pronounce Ecclesia. Let's get distracted with who said he's going to build his Ecclesia. And his Ecclesia comes when we two or three are gathered, or four or five or fifty or hundred, and his presence is present and we take the bread and we remember his body broken the body that we've become a part of we take the cup and we remember that he said this is a new covenant he fulfilled the temple he fulfilled the tabernacle and then he chose an agency best suited to spread this glorious kingdom message that there is a king and he is taking dominion That's what kingdom is. It's the king taking dominion. He's going to take dominion of the rulers of this age and make a public spectacle as he did through Christ on the cross. In the end, he is going to blow the trumpet of victory. And my friend, you and I are going to be caught up with believers and we will be gathered together in that rapturous place where we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, where this earth time will be just a blip in eternity. We will hardly even cast our minds back except to the fact that grace came in when we most needed it and drew us out of the kingdom of darkness, took us out of our sinful separation from God, our poverty of spirit, our bankruptcy of nature, and God intervened in the affairs of man through a cross where a man, Christ Jesus, came and died and was buried and rose again. That is the good news that the kingdom of God is come and will come. And when you take the bread, when you take the cup, And you gather your family. My friend, that is what you are proclaiming. Amen? Come on, at least give me one amen this morning. And then as we worship and pray, as we fellowship, that is the Ecclesia 
the chosen vehicle of God, to bring and permeate the world with the yeast of the kingdom of God. Wow. God's at work. He's at work in us. And I want to read that scripture that I said I was going to read. Are you ready? Have you got your Bible? Maybe this morning the verse might even come up. That's a statement of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, say when we come together, not if we come together, it's when you come together. Brothers, you're part of this thing called the Ecclesia of God, the church. And when you come together, the Lord's presence is there so that you can bind and loose. When, not if. doesn't talk about how. He just says when you come together. Now, he gives some guidelines to what takes place in this coming together. First of all, everyone has a song a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation and all these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So Paul says, when you come together, Corinthians, somebody is going to have a song in their heart that they're going to lead you with. How great is our God. Majesty in the heavenlies. Maybe they're going to play a song on a guitar. Maybe they'll bring a pre-recorded song on a, on a, a, a DVD or something and, and, and play it. But there's a worship atmosphere. And then there's a word of instruction. Now, that could be a biblical instruction, but I think it's more likely just to be very practical. I think we need some instruction around how to budget through this difficult time that people are going through into the future. Instruction on how we can gather our resources to help one another get through these difficult times. I think we need some instruction on how to entrepreneurial seize new opportunities and see new prospects of how to redirect our business, not become despondent because that business now is not going to uh, have a place in the future right now, but to see how it can be redirected. Maybe we need some instruction on how to coach one another and encourage one another in our relationships, in our family. So instruction he says someone will have a word of instruction. That can include a broad-based, multifaceted input that comes to give us direction and understanding. And what is your gift? Are you an accountant? Maybe that's a gift that somebody needs. What are you? A, a, are you good at maintenance around the home? Maybe some instruction on how to... Make sure our car can keep running on so few kilometers. You know, like people now are finding out their batteries are dead, but they could have taken advice to unplug their batteries before the battery died. But they didn't know that until somebody told them. So a word of instruction is just something you know that somebody else doesn't know. It's just 
that you a little bit ahead in a certain area of your life and you can bring instruction. It also says uh, a revelation. When you come together, someone has a revelation. Now, what is that talking about? That means a, a, a multicolored picture in the sky? Well, if it does, that's awesome. Often it just refers to something that God spoke to me that I never saw before. You see, Jesus said to Peter, when Peter acknowledged him as Christ, that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. So Peter got his information from another source. It was not himself. And often God does that by his spirit. He drops a revelation there. And it's dropped in uh, by something we're reading or we could just be watching a movie. You know, I've had revelations watching movies. I'll suddenly go, wow, that just makes so much sense. And as we come together, we can share what those revelations are, he says. And then there's tongues and interpretation. That's a gift of the Spirit speaking in a language that's not my own. It's given by the Holy Spirit that, that is both God-directed in worship and praise, but often it comes as a word of encouragement to the body and Someone has the gift of interpretation, which means they put that concept. It's not translation, it's interpretation. They put that concept of the spoken tongue into words that people can understand around them. Or else they'll just be speaking in a language and everyone will be sitting there not knowing what they're speaking about. So there has to be someone who's got the gift of interpreting. And then he finishes that verse by saying, all these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. That is a fascinating statement. All these things must be done for the strengthening. So if you're bringing a revelation, and it's just a condemning revelation of, oh, God's going to cause the blood to flow in the streets, uh, and your body's going to be wracked with disease, uh, and God is punishing the sin in the world through this new COVID virus and all the AIDS, and, the, and it's God punish. If you hear that kind of word, let me ask you, are you encouraged? No, I'm certainly not encouraged. It wouldn't be very encouraging to my child for me to rip the nails out their hands and then say, but I told you, I told you, I counted to three and I said, put that ice cream down and you didn't, so you deserve what you got. I mean, you'd want to lock me up. What kind of God would determine to do something like that? You say, well then, Steve, where's all this coming from? Thanks for asking the question. And we don't have a simple answer, but I do have an answer. Not from God. Yeah, but God's allowing it to happen. Listen, we're dealing with the subject of suffering that philosophers and theologians have been debating for years. But somewhere in there, there's a sense that God is sovereign, but that he gave man a free will to either obey or disobey. And in disobedience, there would be consequences and a curse would fall upon the behavior and things would go from worse to worse while man in his rebellious stubbornness refused to repent and call back onto the God, his creator, and say, Lord, it's a mess now. I need your intervention. I'm asking for heaven to come and guard me. And because man has not done that, man has become his own God. Man has filled himself with humanistic rationalism and independence. And then he says, well, look what God has done. Hello? It's like driving your car into a brick wall and saying, look what my dad did. 
He says what is for the strengthening of the local church. You see, so when you come together, you don't have to be the great prophet. You don't have to be speaking in King James language. All you have to do is be ready to share a song of worship, be ready to bring an instruction in some practical area of people's lives that they could benefit from. You could bring a revelation of what God has been speaking to you, which can often take the form of like a, a visual picture. I, you know, I saw just a waterfall coming down the mountain, and, and as I sat and I pondered it and I meditated on it, I saw it break into different streams, and each stream, wherever it went, it brought life and hope. And 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 right now, where you're sitting, that stream is coming into your living room. It's coming into your house, and God says, tap deep, like the 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 willow trees by the stream edge, their roots go down deep, and even during seasons of drought, their roots are tapped in to the bottom river, and from those bottom rivers, they draw their encouragement, they draw their life and sustenance, and they still produce fruit in and out of season. Now, I'm just sharing something of a revelation in my life, but you have the same access to the Holy Spirit. To say, Lord, reveal something to me. Reveal something new to me. Reveal something that maybe I haven't understood before. And then be willing to share it with others. You know that's going to really encourage them? I'll tell you something else. It's going to encourage you. Because as you do that, you're going to be encouraged. As we sow, we reap. And then if you're flowing in the gifts of tongues, or gift of interpretation, uh, these things are encouraging. He then goes into the next few verses where he gives some practical riverbanks, how the river flows. And he says, two or three prophets should speak, others should, and others should weigh carefully what is being said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Because the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of of the prophets and God's not a God of disorder but of peace. Now, now all that just to say that God wants things to be done in an orderly way doesn't mean he doesn't want the things to be done. He wants them to be done. But it's like I was recently on a Zoom conference where everybody was talking at the same time. It's like seriously confusing. I mean it's difficult enough just to learn how to do Zoom but then to entertain dozens of people talking, you need a little bit of structure. So then you send out a message. Guys, please mute your mics. Uh, let one person speak at a time. We'll send an order of who's going to speak. Let's give a guideline to what subject we're going to cover. That's all Paul is doing over here. He's not being prescriptive to the point of trying to shut it down or become legalistic. Oh, did you know he only said three people and this morning there were four people? Oh, that is such a scandal. Now that's not what's written. It's written to produce riverbanks so there's order and things can flow and the message can come through and be encouragement. Because he says do this for the encouragement of the church. Not for the elevation of your gift or ministry. Not so that people can go away and say, oh, wow, what a mighty man of God. That's not why you're doing it. Then you are just being edified or puffed up. But when you do it so others can be edified, that is a beautiful thing. And that's how we can operate together. And Jesus said, I'm building my church. 
And when my church lifts me up, I'm going to draw all men unto myself. Jesus is irresistible. And when his life is worked out and developed in a community of his body called the Ecclesia, it's a beautiful thing. Even when iron sharpens iron, even when we have our disagreements, even when we dialogue robustly on things that maybe we see differently, but when at the end of it, we hear Jesus say, you can love one another as I've loved you. Put aside, put your weapon down, put your differences down for a moment. You can love one another. And that's the topic that I'd like to look at as we go into next week. The topic of how the muscles of the body work together for one another. I trust you've been encouraged this morning to be the church in your home at this time. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.